This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in again to another episode of Odyssey's 5th Avenue Faceoff. Hi, if you're watching on YouTube, you see me waving right now. My name's Chris Mack. I am the co-host of the Fan Morning Show on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. If you can't see me, then you hear me via one of those wonderful apps on your little magic box that you use to get your podcasts. And hopefully, it's the Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Up in the upper right-hand corner there of your Odyssey app. It's real simple. You're just going to tap on follow. And when you tap on follow, you're going to be notified as soon as new episodes of Fifth Avenue Face-Off are available to you. And then you can go in there and you can listen. It's it's very magical. Here, I'll show you. This, again, for those of you watching, this is how you do that. Look, I'm holding it up. For those of you on YouTube, you can see that in Fifth Avenue Face-Off, I'm just going to go up there. Oh, I'm bad at tapping when I'm showing. Tap. 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 Ah, there we go. And it says... Go to podcast page, and then you're going to tap on that. And then you're going to tap follow right up there in the upper right-hand corner. You can see on mine, I'm already following because, well, it would be weird if I didn't follow my own podcast. Uh, Dan Kingerski going to join us today. We're going to talk to him about a list of names. Who makes sense as the Pittsburgh Penguins' next general manager? And this GM front office search, What what is... What is the pace we should expect for this thing? Because it seems rather slow to this point. He's got names and he's got reasons to have those names on the list. Let's bring him in now. From Pittsburgh Hockey Now, Dan Kingerski. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Welcome back in. It is Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack, lucky enough to be joined by our good friend from Pittsburgh Hockey Now, Dan Kingerski. Dan, thanks for making the time. I know you're busy, so I appreciate it today. What is the shh beneath my name about? Oh, well, first of all, for those that are just listening, this is why you need to go watch the podcast on YouTube. Go to 93.7 The Fans YouTube channel. You'll see the latest episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff there. Um, but right below Dan's name, it says shh. Uh, it has nothing to do with Max Talbot, believe it or not. Uh, it has everything to do with the future of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is where I wanted to start our conversation today, Dan. Okay. It's curious to me that, uh, look, I understand half the league is still involved in the playoffs as we discuss this this morning. Uh, all eight first round series are still alive and kicking. Which means, you know, there's not a lot of off-season machinations undergoing yet, uh, or off and running. But at least one team has already interviewed Emily Castonguay, AGM from the Vancouver Canucks, about a possible general manager's position. And that team happens to be over on the other side of the state, the Philadelphia Flyers. So they've started their GM search, but we still have yet to hear even the slightest rumbling, the slightest whisper from Fifth Avenue and PPG Paints Arena. So why is that you think that we have yet to hear anything from the Penguins on their front office search? You know, I have to temper my language a little bit because I don't want to start throwing elbows or or kind of cast it too negatively too soon. The Flyers are interviewing people because they have a front office structure and they're finding people to plug into those roles. The Penguins actually don't have any of that mm. right now. Uh, for, I mean, just based on their own words, uh, David Beeston, what you know, what he had said a couple of weeks ago now is, you know, we're going to let the process take us where it takes us. But they don't know if they're going to have a president of hockey operations. They don't have defined roles they're looking to plug people into. They're actually talking to people in order to talk to people, to find hmm. people. So they are, you know, two steps behind square one. They're literally building a front office without the predisposition, maybe glass half full, but they're building a front office without the pre-existing knowledge of what the front office was doing. Wow. That's yeah. wow. That, in my response. Yeah. That, that, that seems like, I don't want to say a, a backwards way to do it, but it seems like a, it seems like something that's going to be a much longer process, which would which would also indicate to me that we would possibly be hearing things already about, well, this is how the structure may... I mean, it, it's sealed up like a vault down there, it sounds like. And the only thing we have to go on is Dave Beeston is spending more time in Pittsburgh. Uh, sounds like almost permanently in Pittsburgh now. Mike Sullivan is leading the transition team, for lack of a better way to put it, at least on the hockey side, which means he'll have ever-increasing power. Um, and other than that, it's it's sort of wide open. Hey, we have no idea what this thing's going to look like. Um, should that encourage us about how Fenway may or may not be more involved in this going forward or discourage us? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct you a little bit. I'd correct okay. the wrong word, but... Uh, from what we're hearing, Mike Sullivan isn't necessarily leading the transition, but he's a a part of it. So I don't want to give okay. the impression that he is. Well, no, that's an important delineation, I think, because yeah. 
the way it was phrased, at least in the press release, the day the that they, release, yes. that they, they, the day that they fired Burke and Hextall was Sullivan would be leading that transition, which would indicate to you that, you know, not only would he be making, you know, possibly setting up the, the some very important hockey decisions over the next couple of months, yeah. but also perhaps a part of helping figure out who that next GM is, which would lean you in a certain direction. But that, that is, is that is an, too. Yeah. yeah, an important but, delineation there. Yeah, but kind of the the word around is he's only a part of it, and okay. he is, I guess, on the hockey side. Yes, but I don't I don't want to give the impression that he is you know picking up the phone and calling friends to interview for for jobs. I do. That could change. He could get that sure. kind of Bill Parcells level of control, which, you know, I guess if you like Mike Sullivan, that's a good thing. If you're one of the detractors, a bad thing. Right. That's where we stand now. And, and please, we're, you were headed somewhere else with a question. Though, well, right? well, no, I, th- that was the question is why haven't we seen more movement on this? Oh. And I think everything you've just said explains why it has been so quiet on the uh, upper management front, because you know, there isn't really anybody in place calling any kind of shots necessarily. And yeah. and this is going to require a lot more time figuring out the direction of the franchise, much less who's going to take them in that direction, which brings me back around again to Fenway. And I guess, again, the question would be, are we encouraged that at least over the last couple of weeks, it feels like since they pushed Burke and Hextall out, and have said David Beeston will be in Pittsburgh more and, and almost permanently or semi-permanently in Pittsburgh overseeing things. Should we be encouraged by that? Or should we be discouraged in that perhaps this is going to drag out and leave them grasping at second hands and leftovers when it comes time to hiring upper management pieces? You know, I, I think Fenway has been deeply involved in the Penguins organization over the last uh, year or, or more. But their efforts have been spent on the development of the Hill District mm-hmm. and, and the around the arena. That's really where their primary focus has been. So um, is it good? Is it bad? I tend to take it as, as a bad thing, that they were running a business and assuming right. the hockey side would take care of itself, but nobody had their hand on the tiller. Nobody said to Ron Hextall, wait a second, you're getting a 31-year-old guy who nobody else wants and you're taking $5 million on, wait a second. Like there, there was, there were, there were no checks and balances to that. And it almost feels like Chris, I'm going to maybe throw another log on your fire here. Right. It kind of feels like Fenway looked at the job uh, Hextall and Burke were doing and the public outcry against that job and made the decision based almost on, well, if everybody says they're doing a bad job, we need to start over uh, again. Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't feel like Fenway has a firm hand on, on this situation. And when an owner has too firm of hand, it's a bad thing. And when they're almost uh, too lax or unknowing, that's a bad thing too. Well, yeah. And again, it brings me back around to, are they going to, they're going to have to compete. Like it, 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 that's, that's clear. They're, they're not the only team looking to hire upper management pieces. And it sounds like, again, according to Elliot Friedman uh, on his 32 thoughts podcast on Sunday night, Monday morning, that Emily Castlin gay, for example, has been lured into staying put in Vancouver. She was one of those names that was at the top of the list and had uh, already interviewed. Well, yeah. Yeah. And had already interviewed in Philly. Um, so if that's one person already off the list, 
well, then undoubtedly other names will come off the list, whether it be because they get hired somewhere else or because they decide to stay put where they are or perhaps get promoted where mm-hmm. they are. Um, the one it strikes me that already the one place where you can't where, where, where you're competing is against the cross state rivals. And so, you know, look, the Pens have had the Flyers number now for the better part of 20 years, other than one playoff series uh, a little over a decade ago. Um, is is there is there any concern that the Flyers could get a jump on the Penguins? And sure. that, I mean, because that's a team that, as you pointed out earlier, already has some upper management and executive pieces in place. All they're looking to do is fill the GM silo. The Penguins and yeah. Fenway looking to fill out multiple positions could get caught behind and, and even get lapped by the Flyers here in this. Sentence. I think that's that's a real concern. By the way, could you just imagine Yinzer's pronouncing Emily Caston gay? Caston guai. Yeah, I know her. I, I was kind of hoping just for that pure fact alone. I wanted to hear talk. I wanted to hear people call your show. You know, that's Emily Caston gay. You know, she. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> you got to put on some French when you say her name properly. Caston gay. Yeah, you, you do a little bit. Uh, I was kind of surprised. Maybe she, uh, I think she's going to be the first female GM in the NHL. Uh, she was P.O. Joseph's agent. He spoke glowingly of her, and and I, I've heard good things uh, out of Vancouver. Uh, there, there was a little personnel bobble that's being sorted out by some other folks, but I've heard really good things about her. Uh, yeah, some hockey folks are, are, are tossing names out, and and I think, Chris, the Flyers' job is probably a little bit more attractive to a perspective GM than the Penguins job because you're handcuffed with the Penguins job, right? Mm -hmm. You have to find a way to get rid of old salaries while keeping three players in their soon to be later thirties, no prospects to really speak of. Uh, You're starting from square one in that. And it's, it's going to be a win now high pressure situation, almost an untenable kind of deal where the Flyers have already used the word rebuilding and they've got some pieces in place, whether or not they're high-end pieces or not, we'll find out. But they've got at least a little bit of a, a younger team on the way. If, if, if it wasn't the Flyers, you know, I, I think uh, it might be more attractive to me too. <laughs> good call. Good call. All right. So we, we, we've got one name we've already thrown out there early on here. So let's yeah. run through some names because I know – You've got names at the top of your mind. I know Dave Molinari from Pittsburgh Hockey now has thrown out names as well. People have already started speculating about who makes sense. Let's start with um, a guy I I mentioned earlier. Mike Sullivan is a part of this going forward. He's still got a contract that keeps him tied to the Pittsburgh Penguins for the next several years. And one of the guys that you say checks all the boxes, one of the people I should say, is... Steve Greeley um, in the Dallas Stars organization. And part of understanding why they may not have talked to him yet is because, A, they don't have the the front office in place, but then, B, the Stars are still involved in the playoffs. So explain to people why Greeley makes sense. Well, um, he is an analytics guy, maybe at heart, Mm -hmm. but also has been a scout and an AGM worrying about actual players. As uh, the director of scouting in Buffalo and then handling the last two Dallas Stars drafts, he got A-pluses in all three. So he's been a really good guy at the draft table, which is something the Penguins sorely need. And you have to think, if he's good at the draft table, he knows 
some scouts to bring in. I think the Penguins organization has been lacking in that for a handful of years too, really. Uh, if you look at their 2019 draft, they, they grabbed a couple of players who I don't think are ever going to make an impact in the NHL. And, and I have to wonder what the scouts saw or, or didn't see. They, they, you know, these players have some big flaws. So I really like Steve Greeley for the draft table knowledge, for the analytics, kind of the forward thinking. He combines those two. And he and Mike Sullivan come from the same bloodline. You know, they're, they're uh, Boston guys from Boston. There you go. Uh, they've got David Quinn in common. Uh, Greeley was an assistant coach under Quinn at Boston U. And I'm told, you know, there's a pre-existing relationship there with, uh, with Sullivan as well. That's interesting to me uh, because that fits what I think a lot of us suspect Fenway may want to do if it follows what they've done with the Red Sox, what they've done with Liverpool, um, is someone young and analytically minded who's going to look for new and innovative strategies via those analytics. Um, but that also makes me wonder about the role of a president of hockey ops in this future front office, which would lean us in the direction of, I hate to just categorize people as old boys club, but generally anybody that's been around the league for more than 10 years um, and is well connected throughout the league. I'm going to just throw that blanket term over them. And that includes Mike Gillis, who is a dark horse. You discussed at Pittsburgh hockey. Yeah. Now um, why does, despite an up and down tenure in Vancouver, why does Mike Gillis make sense? Well, you know, that would be a dark horse candidate, a guy who kind of came from the agent's chair to the Vancouver Canucks GM's chair. He's been involved in the back rooms of a lot of negotiations between the NHL, the NHLPA, and he was up for the uh, director's job last month that went to, mm -hmm. oh, I forget his name now, the Boston mayor, the former Boston mayor. Anyway, the guy who oversaw the big dig. Let's make yes. him the players uh, union rep. <laughs> and he, it all comes back to Boston somehow eventually. It, it kind of does. Boston is, uh, I think, firmly beaten Minnesota as the capital of U.S. hockey. It, it, they vanquished them finally. Uh, you know, because Gillis, I think, did a lot of good things in Vancouver. He did draft well. He figured out how to build a team around the Sedins in their 30s without mortgaging his future. He had a meddling owner that gave Roberto Luongo a 12-year contract at, mm -hmm. you know, a, a bit too much money, which, which hamstrung them. He did make some mistakes, like he traded uh, Corey Schneider to uh, New Jersey for a first-round pick. That first-round pick, by the way, was Bo Horvat. Well, but that worked out then, I guess, in the end. Well, at least worked out for a little while. It, it worked out for a little while, but he forgot to replace Corey Schneider in goal. So Vancouver mm. fell apart very quickly. Fans got mad, owner got mad, and he was gone. Uh, but if you look at his body of work, I, I thought uh, he deserved a, another shot in the GM's chair if – if he wants, you know, people are, people are, look, Chris, it, you call up someone and say, hey, would you be interested in that job? Or, mm -hmm. you know, nobody wants to be on record as saying, yes, I would be interested in it. Because then if you don't get it, you look stupid or you don't want to put pressure on a prospective employer. So the fact that his name hasn't necessarily been leaked isn't uh, a, a bad omen or a harbinger against him. It's a long shot. That's why I made him a dark horse. Yeah. Um so Gillis, uh, you mentioned as the dark horse, we talk uh, about uh, Greeley having the connections to Sullivan and around the league for that matter, and being a bit of a, a fast rising star where he's at. We talked about 
Castonguay and where she sits, whether it, it's remaining in Vancouver or perhaps interviewing for a couple more jobs. And then you've got the wild card option, John Chaka, <laughs> who seemed to be on the right path in Arizona yeah. and then seemingly remembered that it was Arizona. Yeah, that's it's interesting, right? Because, I mean, he engendered a lot of ill will uh, out of Arizona. I mean, the organization put out a press release that basically, you know, buried him, which is abnormal. Uh, and afterwards, the devil's owners who were courting him for like a some you know president of sports role that would have been the devils, the Mets and, and everything else that they were. Right you know, had their hands in, they backed off uh, of him too. I, I tend to think, yeah, he, I like the way you phrased it. He remembered he was in Arizona and was never going to win in Arizona. Right. Maybe a little bit immature. He was 26 when he got the job, like 29 when he got fired. Maybe he was a little stupid with a bit of forgiveness and a bit of contrition. Uh, he's a really bright guy who knew what he was doing, uh, even with the Arizona Coyotes. So, so I, uh, to me, he'd be worth a conversation, if nothing else. All right. That's your list of four that we mentioned. Um, Dave Molinari, no surprise. A, a little more down the middle of the road in his path, <laughs> as Dave will be more often than not. Uh, and yeah, starts sure. with a very obvious name, Jason Botterill. Um, This is one that I think as soon as we, but before even people knew that Hextall and Burke were going to be relieved of their duties. The One of the top names that came to mind, Jason Botterill. Penguin Connections, um, mm -hmm. perhaps didn't get all the resources he needed afforded to him. Some people would say he just didn't do well in Buffalo. But for whatever reason, here he is with perhaps an opportunity and, and, and might end up with the job that a lot of people thought he was going to end up with anyway a few years ago when it seemed like Jim Rutherford was ready to start winding down. Yeah, if they'd given Jason Botterill two more years in Buffalo, he would be a god up there. I mean, it, that was his Tage Thompson trade that is blooming quite nicely for mm -hmm. them. Uh, you know, Rasmus Dahlin was actually, uh, you know, Jason Botterill and Steve Greeley. You know, that draft with Casey, uh, Casey Middlestat was also a Jason Botterill pick. And um, Samuelson, Shell Samuelson's son. They, they oh, yeah. 32nd overall pick, which some people are like, oh, that's an interesting. And he's played 109 NHL games to this point. So, yeah, uh, the, the knock on Botterill is, is, is kind of personal. Uh, you know, maybe he's not going to be the most aggressive GM. And the Penguins probably need somebody to come in with a little bit of a wrecking ball approach and be aggressive and be uh, a big leader. If that's what they decide they want, I don't know that Botterill is that guy. But they want a smart hockey guy who seems to make some good moves. You know, Jason Botterill has a pretty good track record. So let's keep it uh, along those lines then and talk about another guy who does have some Pittsburgh ties anyway, Dan McKinnon, um, who, who has ties to Ray Shiro's uh, administration here in Pittsburgh. Um, it, it's, is another guy who I don't think the average Pittsburgh sports fan, other than maybe, under, you know, hearing the name McKinnon goes, oh, oh, I know that name, uh, but not really understanding more than that. Uh, why does Dan McKinnon perhaps make sense if Fenway is looking for someone with some level of attachment, maybe to the Penguins organization in the past? 
Well, he, he does have a, a pretty good resume, and you're right. He is not uh, a well-known name. Even some of the hockey people I talked to didn't didn't bring him up, uh, you know, as a matter of course. Uh, someone obviously did did today. But a guy who has pro scouting experience, assistant general manager experience, and some vice president of hockey ops experience. Mm. When you put that resume in front of, of Fenway, that should give them pause. Like, oh, this guy knows all of these roles. Because I, I guess I'm going to tie this into Fenway, Chris. Yeah. Because they are kind of coming into this such neophytes, you know, just wide-eyed noobs who don't have a big hockey Rolodex. Um, mm-hmm. And a guy like that who has the big Rolodex and has the different experiences, I, I think would be attractive to them. Well, let's keep it. Let's keep going in that vein then, because before we circle all the way back around to the young up and comers who we kind of started this conversation with, let's keep it along the lines of well-connected, very experienced nominees in Lawrence Gilman, who's a senior VP of the Marlies uh, Mm -hmm. in Toronto, and Joe Will, who's been with the Sharks since uh the George the first George Bush administration I mean guys who have been in the league for a long time and if you're looking for someone with with a a strong network throughout the league which like you said Fenway does not have these guys may make sense not just as GM candidates but as president of hockey ops candidates in Will and San Jose and Gilman and Toronto yeah over the last uh, couple or a few weeks I probably would remove both of those names actually um just getting a sense, you know, digging deeper into both of them. They are very good at what they currently do, mm-hmm. but maybe not uh, what the Penguins are, are going to be doing, you know, forward thinking or, or uh, you know, some of the rebuilding a front office. I don't know that those guys are going to be uh, strong candidates. Having said that, Lord knows what happens in an interview, right? I mean, guy right. sits down and has an interview of his life or just connects with whomever the Penguins decide are doing the interviews. And suddenly, you know, those guys do have the experience to be, you know, a steady, solid GM. Again, I don't think the Penguins need a steady, solid guy. I think they need someone to, you know, wield the scalpel with, with a little bit of malice. But, you know, if they want to stay the course for a little while longer and pick at the edges, those guys would, would do pretty well. Well, that brings me to the next line of questioning then. Before I get to names like Ryan Martin, AGM with the Rangers, or Paul Kropelka, um, let's talk about what the structure of this is going to look like. Um, Well, you know, is it simply uh, a GM? Or like you said, with the entire front office looking at overhaul, would it make sense then to think about a more experienced this is a terrible way to put it worldly um uh you know someone with that deep network um you know to saskatchewan yeah yeah <laughs> with that deep network of contacts around the league to be a you know president of hockey ops much like i'll, I'll compare it to the brian burke role brian burke was going to be the one who was picking up the phone and talking to people in many cases uh ron hextel was going to hide in his office and watch tape um and Granted, they want to go in a different direction with the GM, you know, uh, like, and I'll bring up Brian Martin and Paul Kropelka here as a part of this conversation. They want to go with younger candidates who are more forward thinking uh, than Hextall was, but still have that strong leadership voice or hand who can pick up a phone, 
and Colin, a, a David Poyle, I know Poyle's retiring, but I'm using his name yeah. as an example because he's similarly experienced. Pick, pick up the phone and call a David Poyle and say, hey, Dave, we got to work a deal here. I got this. I'm willing to do What do you got for me? Uh, when this GM may be younger, less experienced, and and, yeah. and instead of picking up the phone and, and working it, may be, uh, I don't want to say stuck in a spreadsheet, but looking at it from that perspective and not necessarily knowing what's going on around the rest of the league. That sounds like it's Jim Rutherford you're describing. Yeah. I mean, having that, that experienced hand who helps oversee the GM who is maybe in their first GM's gig and trying to bring analytics into the front office, but also learning their way of, of, of working with those contacts around the league. There's a good case to be made for that kind of person to be, um, in the president's role. I, I, I think we have to turn the page, or I think the Penguins have to turn the page, though, would be my opinion. You, you might, you might kind of wear it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might not get the results you want, but I think the organization has to begin to look to the future and where things are going. They had, they had the run. I mean, you don't get Crosby and Malkin uh, together twice in a row you just that doesn't happen again uh especially after mario and yager so the hockey gods are gonna extract a little bit of penance here from the organization so i i look at i look ahead uh you know do you want one of those older guys who picks up the phone and calls his buddies like rutherford kept calling bob murray and anaheim those guys just oh yeah hang 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 on yeah swap you know players back and forth that's nice Having somebody in the front office who can help you with that would be good, but uh, I'm really going to lean heavy to to some different thinking. And if it's a spreadsheet, I mean, I'm not really an analytics guy. I, they have their place. Mm-hmm. People who rely too heavily on them, I, I think, oftentimes wind up realizing Jeff Carter was sixth in faceoffs. That's that's a hell of a point. Um, it, it kind of brings us all the way back around too to somebody who can look at it from both angles, like a bottle yeah. who can pick up the phone and call Billy Garen and say, Hey, you got that. I got this. You need this. I got that. Let's work. Let's swing a deal. And then the two former AGMs in Pittsburgh are working out a deal together. You know, yeah, Billy Garen would be the, you know, he would have been the perfect. I oh. mean, yeah. I mean, you almost say that wistfully, right? Uh, oh, certainly. Yeah, uh, it, but it, that that's that. It's going to be something to watch how this now moves forward, and I guess that's where I'll, I'll leave the conversation with you, Dan. Is when should we expect movement? Um, you know, I start I started asking you why haven't we heard anything yet? And you you bring up a lot of good reasons because they don't have a front office structure decided on yet, let alone who they're going to hire for the front office structure. But very quickly, April is going to turn into May. And very quickly, the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final are going to be upon us. And before you know it, we're going to look up. We're going to be talking about award ceremonies and a draft. And this is going to have to all be in place. And I would would like to believe that they'd have it in place in time to take, granted, it's a skeleton staff that's still in place right now, but take the intelligence gleaned by that skeleton staff, marry it with whoever has come in and taken the gig or gigs, and build a draft strategy, and then build an off-season strategy, right. uh, and understand what it's going to take come July first, post-draft, to rebuild this thing on the fly around the big three. But the longer we wait for the process to even get started, 
the longer it feels like we're going to have to wait for that process to find some clarity. Um, so when should we expect to hear, to see some sort of, I'm not even asking for the puff of white smoke from Kevin Acklin's office. All I'm asking for is a rumbling, a rumor, an interview, something. When should we expect something? I would have to think in a couple of, of weeks, they should have a, at least an idea of what happened what went wrong, what they can improve, and from there begin to identify qualities and traits. And by the way, before you let me go, uh, just realize that Ron Hextall's son and Chris Pryor's son are the skeleton staff left for the draft. Uh, I thought I would just kind of dump that and leave and see ya. Head in hands, I thank you for... Throwing the match on the bucket of kerosene as you walk out the door, Dan. I appreciate that. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, great stuff. I appreciate it as always. Dan Kingerski of Pittsburgh Hockey Now with some insight on where this search is going to go. Again, PGH Hockey Now. That's where you go on Twitter, on all your social medias, and of course, online as well to get the latest from Dan, Dave Molinari, Shelly Anderson, and his entire staff who will have this search blanketed for you throughout the Hopefully just the remainder of the spring and by the official start of summer, we've got something concrete we can talk about and we'll, we'll get back together then, Dan. How's that sound? Yeah. If you're lucky. (laughs) Dan Kongerski. Thanks again, Dan. Have fun, man. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast. Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Great stuff from Pittsburgh Hockey Now's Dan Kingerski. As I mentioned, his website doing a great job of keeping people up to date on the Penguins offseason. Uh, while still keeping you up to date on what's going on around the Stanley Cup playoffs as well through his Hockey Now affiliates across the league. But for Penns fans, most importantly, it's about how this GM search is going to progress and when and if the front office search in general is going to get started. Hopefully soon. We'll keep you up to date on it right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Be sure to follow the podcast inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, download, rate, review we appreciate you doing all of it and next time uh dave damashek will give us the fans point of view on fifth avenue faceoff we always welcome feedback not just via your favorite podcasting app but via emails as well chris.mack m-a-c-k at odyssey.com you got questions for the show as well you want to address chris.mack at odyssey.com thanks again to dan kingerski and we'll catch you next time on another edition of fifth avenue faceoff